My name is Justin, and I have an iPhone, okay? Let's just get it over with. Uh, I, I like these devices, and, and I benefit from them, and, and um, I have so much available to, available to me through this device and others like them, and, and that presents wonderful possibilities, but also it presents incredible challenges. And that's kind of the tension we want to work with this morning. Um, with all of the technology and all of the connectivity, that's not just the devices anymore. It's, it's how we're able to connect through these devices that has changed so much uh, to have constant streaming information at all times. And we'll talk about the challenges of that in a moment. But, but because of all of this, we need to think really hard uh, about this, what this means for us as Christians, how we can be good stewards, both, uh, both of the technology and of our lives, of our time and energies and attention and all of these things that that um and so so we say technology uh, uh frank's brother doug pass was here this morning they were here this weekend frank's brother i think they've left but uh he he works in technology and he just said all you need to know is technology is evil i know he was saying it tongue-in-cheek uh but uh but technology it it can and should be used, um, but it shouldn't be embraced without giving thought to our use of it. And that's what we want to do. We want to be thinking Christians when it comes to technology, disciplined Christians, thinking Christians. Um, uh, and so that's what we'll kind of work through. I just have nine statements this morning. And let me look at my phone just so I know I'm on time. Okay. <laughs> it's a clock. That's all I'll say it is. Um, nine, nine statements this morning uh, that... Uh, that, that will just kind of help us frame uh, these thoughts on technology. And so I confess these are not as well formed and filled out uh, as, as I was hoping, but I think that we've got enough to work with here. First one is this, is that technology is morally neutral. Technology is morally neutral. It is not inherently good or bad. And I apologize, there is no handout, there is no PowerPoint or anything, so you're, you're just going to have to go low-tech this morning. How appropriate. Um, so technology is morally neutral. It's not inherently good or bad. There's, there's nothing wrong with technology per se. In fact, there's much that's right about it. And obviously we mentioned just it's more than just this stuff and video games. It's, it's everywhere. We're all, we all benefit from technology. We all use technology. Um, some people, though, want to veer off into one ditch or the other when it comes to this. Some will say... Technology, like Doug Pass and tongue in cheek, technology is evil. It's bad. Stay away. Um, I am involved in our neighborhood association, and um, and we had we we decided we wanted to start a Facebook page for our neighborhood just to kind of keep neighbors connected. If there was you know a dog that was out, hey, has anybody lost a dog? And or can I borrow a wheelbarrow from somebody? That kind of thing, just to increase those kind of potential interactions and that was the the hope of it but we had one lady i mean she she just the hair stood up on her neck when she heard facebook she thought that was of the devil and um and she got all riled up i'll never have a facebook and i mean we're just kind of like whoa okay so who's going to start the facebook page <laughs> um, but 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 some have that they they veer off into that ditch that just it's all bad and then the others veer off into the other ditch and they just say technology is, 
is the, the is just wonderful and it's you just need to be you just need to accept all of it make it your life and they just are consumed with devices and gadgets and the, the next thing and updates and 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 they're they just consumes their life and so so we need to we need to stay on the road and not veer off into either of those ditches but but technology itself is neutral it has incredible potential for good um, and we're thankful for medical technologies and information technologies and all these and engineering and and all of the wonderful improvements that we know and enjoy and so we're, it's, it has incredible potential for good, but it also has incredible potential for evil. Uh, but it in of itself is not morally, uh, it's not moral, it's all moral. And so it's just, it's just stuff. Uh, so you see the potential for evil in the news this week with Sony and uh, hackers and potentially North Korea's involvement and all those. I'm not going to speak on the current events, but I, I just say you see the potential for evil. So the conversation this morning, and, and as we talk about these things, it doesn't really need to just be about technology per se. It needs to be about me, because it's the user, it's the consumer, it's the, it's the creator, it's the innovators. And so the problems are not with devices, the problems are with me, it's with hearts. And so that's, that's what we need to keep in mind this morning. So, second statement. Second statement is this. Technology is a mirror that reflects what's in our hearts. It's a mirror that reflects what's in our hearts. Your phone will tell you what you truly value in life. Your history folder. Um, your habits with uh, you, on the web and your habits with entertainment and these things, these things are, they tell us something about ourselves. They show us what we really think is important. Um, how, let me give you an example. Can, is there anything you can learn about a man who's constantly checking sports scores? You think you can tell something about that guy? What he, what he really values in life? Or can we learn something about the woman who's always on Facebook or Pinterest? Um, can we learn something about the young person whose phone is just full of selfies? <laughs> if you don't know what that is, just ask your grandchild or something. Or maybe, or maybe they just spend hours looking at photos of their friends and exchanging those things. What is that? Is there something that that says about the person? I, we don't have time to really walk through all of those scenarios, but I just want you to see that this is a mirror. It's, it reflects, it shows us something about ourselves. And uh, and you need to see it for for that. It doesn't make us who we are. It shows us who we are. It's one of many things that shows us who we are. All right. Third statement. Technology can become an idol. It can become an idol and all idolatry is sin. Um, we must ask ourselves and I've I've got to bring it up here. There's a book that. Uh, I've worked through it in a couple of different settings. It's called Seven Toxic Ideas Polluting Your Mind. Um, it's, it's a helpful book. And one of the chapters is dealing on, uh, it calls it technopoly, but, but the issue of technology. And I've taken some of this from, from that uh, chapter. Um, and one of the things that he is, I thought was very helpful in this, in this chapter was his two questions to help us kind of identify if, if technology may be becoming an idol for us. Two things to kind of check ourselves. 
Well, first question is this, is why are you using it? Why are you using it? It's a question of motivation. What is motivating you to use whatever technology it is? And it may be high-tech or it may be low-tech. But why are you using that technology? Motives matter when it comes to uh, this issue of technology. Let me just give you a couple examples from Scripture. Uh, you can see, you can see um, the use of technology and two distinct motives. First, we can consider Noah. Noah, building this ark, he is this righteous man called by God to engage in this technological uh, endeavor of building an ark. I mean, this was, this was just incredible. The engineering and the technology that went into the design, which was given by God. But the, but the construction of this ark... And we've had creation science folks here and talking about what that would have been like. And it's just incredible, the technology. And so, but what motivated Noah to use technology? He wanted to obey, serve God. That's what drove him. He also wanted to protect his own life and the lives of his family. And in a sense, all of the human race, I mean, creation. He was he was after that. So so what drove Noah to use technology was love for God and love for others, his neighbor. And so so that's one motive. And so uh, you, you see that. But then we could in Genesis see another example of the use of technology. Anyone maybe one that was not so good. We want to come up Tower of Babel. That's exactly right. Also an engineering marvel and technological marvel that that, that um, Genesis chapter 11, the Babylonians decide to, to build this massive tower that would reach into the heavens. And, and again, just incredible technology that went into uh, building this tower. But unlike Noah, they're not motivated by love for God and love for neighbor. Uh, what, what is driving them? No, they, they want to make a name for themselves. They, they wanted to climb to the heavens, to dethrone God, to make themselves gods in his place. And so you can see, even in scripture, technology used for good and used for evil. And it's just the, it's the same with us. We, we have to do a heart check to examine our motivations. Why am I using this technology? Let me just ask you real quick, what, what would be some potential evil motivations to use uh, I mean, high-tech technology, digital technology that you can think of. Just some examples in life. I mean, I'd be. I'm sorry. Okay, just this this immediacy, lack of yeah. Okay, what else? What are some other motivations? What drives us? What would drive us in the wrong way to use technology? Greed, exactly. Yeah. What else? Okay, gossip. Yeah, exactly. And 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 even that is probably fueled a lot of times just by selfishness and trying to want to make an image of ourself uh idea. Sexual immorality. Obviously that's huge. I mean the the pornography industry has exploited the technology. Coach Thorne. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. There's there's a lack of concern for others, even in just in physical safety. By uh, Ellis. Okay, yeah. They're they're looking to escape, escape something. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, spreading falsehoods, usually to benefit self. And so you see all these potentials for, for evil. Now, what are some good motivations? What are some right motivations to use technology? Give me a few of those. What's that? Witnessing, Witnessing absolutely. Evangelism opportunities are tremendous, yeah. Learning, education, studying the scriptures, and anything, learn anything. I mean, just, yeah. Karen, were you going to say? I'm sorry. Okay. Kent. Prayer, yeah, prayer chain, mobilizing God's people for prayer in a local church like ours and with the emails that go out and Facebook and all kinds of things. Yes, Jane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Making connections with people and, and long-lost friends and, and relatives. And, and So, so there's, there's great, there, again, it can be used for good or evil, but one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, why am I using this? And, and don't, uh, again, we don't have, there's another message here just dealing with motivations of the heart, but we have to go past just those kind of surface level, uh, obvious um, motivations, desires, but there's usually heart level, what do I really, really want uh, by using this? What am I after? What, are the, what is the idol of my heart that I'm bowing down before. So uh, why are we using it? Second question is this, is how much are we using it? Now, we're just evaluating whether technology is an idol in our life. How much are we using it? And this is a question of moderation. Moderation. Um, Proverbs 25, verse 27. This is profound wisdom here. It's not good to eat too much honey. <laughs> you could fill in the blank this week, uh, too much candy or pumpkin pie or whatever it is you want to eat. Uh, this week, it, it, it's honey is good, uh, but eating too much of it, it can be really bad and can make you sick and and can cause harm to your body. And so technology is like it's like honey in our culture. Um, you know, honey, it doesn't provide really any nutritional value. I mean, it can kind of keep you alive just to give you a little few calories, but it's not what you can live upon honey. Uh, and it doesn't contain a lot of nourishment, though it is enjoyable. It's tasty, it's sweet, um, and and we tend to want more and more of it, um, but it really doesn't contribute anything to our physical well-being. And, and, and you see the connections. The technology is a lot like that. It's it's good, it's enjoyable, uh, it can be fun, it can be entertaining, um, it can can bring pleasure to our lives, but there's not a lot of nourishment that it really provides. Uh, it's not really, gen- in itself, it's not nourishing our souls. It's not really necessary for our well-being um, like other things would be. And so it's neat. We can watch videos. We can get social networking, social media, and play games and do shopping online and get ideas for crafts and all of these kinds of things that aren't bad. They're enjoyable. They're like They're like honey. But... The warning is the warning is too much of that can make you sick can make, and can be a bad thing and so um, God wants us to be consumed with those things that truly nourish our souls Philippians four eight whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and worthy of praise those are the things he says you need to think upon consistently continually think upon. Those things. So good things can become bad if we don't exercise moderation. So, so technology can become an idol. 
Um, and the two questions again, why am I using it and how much am I using it? Fourth statement is technology can make it easy for us to disengage from people. Uh, to disengage from people. We, we can plug in and tune out um, with technology. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because <laughs> today, what is technology... What is technology praised for most often? It's praised for its ability to connect people, right? Uh, we, we, we are connected like never before. We, through phones, we don't have to wait till somebody gets home or till they get to a pay phone. We, and, and I confess, I mean, Brooke and I are this way. If, if, if she doesn't respond to my text immediately, I start to think something's wrong or, or I get upset. Like, you know, we expect constant connectivity. Um, and, and we have the internet, and so we're not just connected locally, we're connected globally. I mean, again, I could, with this little device, Skype Eric, and we could be talking in real time and video and just, just like that. And it's, it's, it's incredible. And social media networking and all of the social, social um, networking sites, Facebook and Twitter and and on and on and on, and I'm not even up to speed on all of those. Um, and so the teenagers over here, you could tell me what the latest and greatest is, and they probably don't want you to know, so your parents won't can't check. Um, but but it's constantly there's constantly things that supposedly connect us to one another. But what's ironic is that it oftentimes has the exact opposite result. We're not truly connected to people. It's just virtual connections. Now, again, I'm not saying that it's bad, and I'm not saying that there's no benefit, and so don't, don't say what I'm not saying. Uh, but we're, we can be more disengaged from our real flesh and blood world because we're so engaged in this two-dimensional virtual world. Um, and it, it can, can rob us from... The meaningful interaction that God intends for us. God has made us to live in community with one another. God lives in community. Triune. God, Father, Son, Spirit for eternity in fellowship and communion with one another and relationship with one another. Living in community. And, and technology is a step away from that biblical community that God intends. It can take us a step away. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Again, these are not... I'm not trying to make these moral statements like you need to totally stop this or anything. I'm just wanting you to see how it can subtly uh, rob us of that meaningful interaction that God made us for. This is appropriate this time of year. How many of you did most of your Christmas shopping online? Okay, yeah, yeah. We got our share of Amazon boxes. There is no shortage of boxes to wrap gifts in anymore. Uh, the Amazon Prime. I mean, we're we're signed up, so don't think that I'm I'm not trying to be hypocritical here. Um, but online shopping versus brick and mortar shopping. Think of the differences and how things have changed for us. Now, it is a convenience to shop online for for most people. See it as that. Uh, I know some may be a little intimidated, and it's okay. I'm, but I, I mean, we use it. Uh, there's no driving. There's no there's no waiting. <laughs> Uh, there's no fighting over parking spots in the pavilion <laughs> this week. Um, there's, there's no waiting in lines. There's no noisy, crowded malls. Um, 
And so there's, there's conveniences. There's things that are good. And, and there's savings and there's other things too. You could add on to that. Um, but is there a downside? Yes. Uh, what is lost in online shopping? It's community. Community. Think, think about uh, if the way we used to do it or the way we still do it in some, some ways. We, you, you sh- when you shop online, you have no opportunity to relate to another person as a human being. Um, it's just digital communications. It's, it's bits of information that are fast ones and zeros uh, through, through the web. Um, you can't you can't help a young mother who's struggling to get her toddler into a shopping cart online. You can't do that. You can't help an elderly lady who's trying to get her groceries into the trunk of her car. You can't uh, you can't share your faith with the person that you're waiting in line next to at Kohl's. You can't do any of those things online. Um, so I'm not saying that. Online shopping is bad. That's not my point. I'm saying there are things that you lose. There are, there are things you gain and there are things that you lose by, by only doing shopping online. The, the virtual world, it can have subtly disengage us from the real world, from people. Um, so that's, that's all I'm saying. Another example of this, you go into Starbucks. And again, I like Starbucks, so this is not me beating up on anything. But what do you see in there? It's very interesting. You have this public public space. Everybody's got earbuds in. And they're all clicking away. And they're all standing in line doing this. And they're all... You're in this public space, but everybody's in their own little private world. And the guy that you do think is talking to somebody, you realize he's just got a Bluetooth thing in. And he's in another phone conversation. He's totally oblivious to everybody around him. Um, and, and so... So just, again, the, the writer of that Toxic Ideas book, he calls it absent presence. You're physically present, but you're really socially absent. And, um, and so this is, this is just something we need to be mindful of. There, and, and, again, this is what you need to see. That kind of disengagement has real implications for us as Christians. Um, this is not, that's not neutral. I mean, just, the, if we can't live disengaged from people, we can't obey Jesus' command to love our neighbors as ourselves and not be engaged with people. You can't obey the Great Commission and, and stay disengaged from real people. Um, and so, we can't love our neighbor, we can't share the gospel if we refuse to engage with people in our world. And so, I, I, I will say, I'm, again, I'm not asking you to to make some hasty result, you know, resolution to stop shopping online or to stop you know, wearing earbuds or something like that. That's not my point. But I want you to think and be, be active and thoughtful about setting patterns of your life that cause you to engage. I'm getting to my conclusion. All right. Uh, let, me, let me, just an example of this. You imagine the Good Samaritan story today in some in some sitting, just he's got earbuds in, he's texting his friend, and he's he's checking his Facebook feed as he's walking along the road. Just walks right by the guy that's in the ditch and, and it's wounded. Uh, I mean that you, you understand what I'm saying? That almost doesn't work today because we're so disengaged from what's going on around us if we're not careful. All right, fifth statement. 
fifth statement. Technology has become, or excuse me, technology can become a means by which we slowly amuse ourselves to death. Now I'm borrowing that expression from Neil Postman's book. Um, technology can become a means by which we slowly amuse ourselves to death. Um, it can it can be a source of not just where we just disengage from people, but it can be a distraction to us. Um, we end up needing constant entertainment. And this is, again, you go to, and I, I mean, I've been guilty of this, checking my email real quick as I'm waiting in line. And, you know, anytime there's a downtime, we want to pull this thing out, uh, again, some of us. And, and we're tempted, and we play a game or do check Facebook or uh, post a tweet or do whatever you're, whatever you're, whatever you're going to do. You, we just this constant need for entertainment and so you and this is how it shows up sometimes you you might be watching tv and your laptop's in your lap and you're surfing the web on that and you're talking on the phone or kind of texting at the same time you got like four things going on at once all technology related and maybe you're listening to music too and 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 you're just distracted that's 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 the point we can be distracted by these things again it's Entertainment is the most, and when I'm talking about being distracted by technology, generally I, I think we think of that entertainment forms. Um, and that's not, that's not evil. Um, so it, it's a legitimate form. It can be a legitimate form of recreation. Yes, Coach? It can be. I mean, you, you, you really, I mean, you, we laugh, but it, there, are, there, are, there are a lot of young men and women. They're, the, the statistic, the fastest growing gaming uh, uh, segment in the culture is is like twenty something women, um, and so fastest growing. I mean, it's the largest, but uh, so young men, young women, and older men and women. I mean, there's addiction to the entertainment of technology. It used to be television. The statistics now show that TVs are on. It's still amazing me, amazing to me how much they're on. I I forget how many hours a day the average person watches television still, but it's dropped. Drops every year, but it's not like this has just replaced some of those hours. It's just gobbled up hours and hours of of our of our attention, um, and so there there are, there is widespread addiction to this entertainment of uh, the distractions that it gives us. And so, but it's, so it's, it's it can be okay. It's a legitimate form of recreation, but it becomes harmful when it just dominates our lives. And distracts us from focusing on the truly important things. Namely, your relationship with God. And this is where I think the distraction part of technology can really become harmful. Is we, we have, Christians today have an increasingly difficult time with this in their lap. Nothing else on. Reading this, praying, meditating upon this for a, a, a significant amount of time. And I mean significant, I mean 30 minutes. Instead, it's, there's stuff beeps and checks and looking over this computer screen and this. We we just it's hard for people, for a lot of people today, particularly young people, to concentrate for extended periods of times without without the distractions of entertainment and technology. Um, and this is this is this is something we need to be mindful of and we need to be constantly checking ourselves and fighting against in ourselves the devil loves the devil loves the potential for distraction that 
that smartphones and computers and uh, our, our technological day and age brings. Because what, what does all of this stuff do? He, what is his goal? His, his goal is to work as hard as he can to keep us from setting our minds upon things that are above. On Christ. Colossians 3.2. And so all this stuff is the, has the potential to distract us from that very thing. And so, um, so we need to be, be mindful of that. Sixth statement. Oh, yeah, coach. <laughs> ah, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I'm going to come back to a statement. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a, that's a real problem. The lack of sleep in young people today because they're spending so much time. And they've spent so much time looking at screens, the difficulty of going to sleep. And, uh, uh, they're, yeah, the, again, the statistics for young people, especially, I mean, like teenagers and below, and the lack of sleep that they're getting. And oftentimes the culprit is, is because they're playing games or uh, surfing the web or doing other things. Um, that's good. Uh, Ellis, go ahead. Yeah. That's a great comment. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good observation. Because what, what we have now is the ability to tailor all of our entertainment choices just to me. It's not like we used to turn on the television. There were three channels. And you, you better just, if you're going to watch it, you're just going to watch what they offer. No. Now everything's on demand. Everything's instant streaming, live uh, uh, streaming uh, television. And so you watch it when you want to watch it. Hulu and all of these these. Um, uh, you know, you got all of these, you watch the movie, you don't have to wait, you just watch it when you want it. So everything's tailored, all the apps on your phone. This is what I want to do. And so you're right, something comes in. Uh, you know, you used to be the Friday night board games and stuff. I mean, we still do some of this, and some of you do too probably. But, you know, you, you, you play whatever everybody's playing. Now you get to, I just play what I want to play, and he plays what he wants to play, and she plays what she wants to play. And and so it can it just fuel that selfishness that's already in our hearts. Again, it's a mirror. It's not causing us to be selfish. It's reflecting what's already there in our hearts, and it's giving us an outlet and a means. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're. I, I, I know. I, I get. I deserve me some me time, and and I just want to veg out and check the news, do what I want to do, and and like I've paid my dues, and I get it. So yeah, again, it's a mirror. Um, all right, we have three. Think more statements. Four statements. Let me press on here. Sixth statement is this: as technology allows us to become less human and less humane. I'll explain what I mean by that. But it allows us to become less human and less humane. Um, This is what I mean. Particularly with the web now, you have the ability to create a virtual self. 
Um, the author of that book calls it disembodiment. I mean, we, we can disembody ourselves. And so we, we can create a virtual identity um, and can be, you know, popular sites like Facebook. Again, I realize that's almost the younger generation. It's not, it's not their thing necessarily anymore, but Instagram. And we can create this picture of what life is like. Uh, and, and it's not reality. But it's it's we're in some ways it shows up. And one of the few ways that we we get in trouble is immodesty, um, visual immodesty, where people post pictures of themselves that you think, man, uh, maybe it would show up like this: you wouldn't you wouldn't come to my house and set your wife in front of me and say, look at my wife in this dress. And, and draw my attention to her in that way. I don't, I hope you wouldn't. Um, but yet I've seen men do that online. Check my wife out. Um, look at her. And so we're willing to do something online that we would not do in person. See what I'm saying? Is that there's this gap that we've, we've made and we, we give ourselves this freedom for. So we, we visual immodesty. Uh, uh, information immodesty. So we just young people we really have to warn our kids what you share online and what information you give out. But we're, we we feel this feel that it doesn't really count. Things we wouldn't tell people face to face, we're willing to tell them um, virtually. And so uh, again, yes. Yeah, it <laughs> just seems absurd, doesn't it? I know. Yeah, well, we you're, that's that's a good illustration of this. We we have this strange. We 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 almost we try to disembody ourselves by this kind of virtual these virtual technologies. It's, we don't see things as real, um, and and this is like sexting. I mean, this is a big issue with young people and sending images. You they wouldn't you wouldn't do that, and things you wouldn't even do or. Uh, physically present, but you're willing to, again, have this virtual, um, cross these boundaries because it seems, it seems pretend. So we do things online virtually that we'd never do in person. Another way this shows up is like, is the other side of that. It'd be like cyberbullying. Uh, I, I know there, there's an, there's probably an overreaction and, you know, bullying. I get a little weary every time I hear that. I mean, just, you know, there's, just hurt feelings and those kinds of that's not, but I, but we can say things things are said to people that they we would never say face to face i mean this is just true in the media in general but uh, christian bloggers uh they can be vicious in ripping up fellow brothers and sisters in christ that maybe are a little different stripe and some controversy happens and they take to the internet and they're typing and i'm thinking would you if you were sitting across the table from that person, that brother or sister in the Lord, would you tell them that face to face? I don't think most of us would. We don't have that kind of. I don't. This is not a sanctified Paul. You know, I'm timid when with you, but you know, bold, bold in letter, timid face to face. I, I, I mean, this is a different kind. Of, we just have this breakdown, this gap. All right, I need to pedal fast. I want to get these last few. Seventh, technology is a useful tool. But a terrible master, a useful tool, but a terrible master. That's the challenge when you when you really don't have things refined. It's easy to ramble, so I apologize. Uh, 
It's a useful tool, but a terrible master. We've kind of said this already, but we can't let it dictate our lives. We can't allow ourselves to just be frozen by it and consumed by it. And so a few ways that it can become a master to us. One, it it can become a master to us by letting letting it tell us what to do all the time. And this is one way it shows up is those little alerts that show up. I've got mine on airplane mode, I think, so I haven't had any. Um, but uh, if not, there's, there may have been a chance that some little message would have shown up. I've turned almost all of those off on my phone now because it used to be constantly vibrating, beeping, and noise-making, and you know, every, everything that, um, you know, Facebook updates and news alerts and sports scores and uh, all those kinds of things, nudges, pokes with all those little lingo or whatever that's out there. You know, this thing's constantly sending these alerts. Well, uh, uh, alerts, alerts amount to interruptions. And, and so, again, some of you are more mindful of this. This is more of an issue that, for, that you need to be thinking about. Um, but but if, we, if you don't change, again, if you don't change those settings, your phones are going to be doing stuff all the time. And, and what do we do? We hear it beep. What is our inclination? Pull it out. Check it. Uh, we we want to see. And I would say that most of the time, whatever we're doing at that moment is probably more important than what this big alert is on my phone. Uh, what is happening somewhere. So so we can we can become a servant to our device. It's dictating our life. It's it's telling us what's what to pay attention to. It's telling us what to give our time and thought to. Uh, we're slaves to whatever alert there is. And so I, I, I think it's wise to turn those alerts off. I mean, I think I get phone calls and text is about the only thing that really shows up anymore. I mean, occasionally if I add a new app, you know, you forget to turn the alerts off and you think, oh, well, I don't really care about that. And Go shut all those things off. But oh, I would say, if you if it, if you want to check the news, and you have the time, and and you said say, hey, in an hour I'll go check the news when I'm on lunch break or whatever, then go check the news. But um, odds are you're not gonna you're not gonna need to know the instant anything happens. And so those alerts are are just interruptions. They take your attention. And it may seem it may seem so. Insignificant. I mean, but you're you're sitting there and you're riding in the car with your child, or you're you're in you're just having dinner and and just you just look over there. But you you your attention, your concentration has been diverted from what matters far more important. That conversation, those people that are sitting right there in front of you. Um, so so I, I turn those alerts off. Uh, and the next thing, I just say your life shouldn't be fundamentally changed by technology, but served by it. Uh, this is not. This is a sub point in there, but but this is what I mean. My my job as a pastor, my role as a pastor, shouldn't be fundamentally changed by devices and technology. It should be served by it. Um, there's a core. There's a there are core elements that can't be replaced by technology and shouldn't be shouldn't be reshaped by it either. Uh, I mean, I'm just th- again thinking myself, the studying the scriptures and and prayer and people and time and service. Again, I know there are helps and resources that that we that we can utilize. And I mean, I realize my Bible is bound, which is technology and all those kinds of things. But but we're but it shouldn't be fundamentally changed. Your job is a roofer. Your 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 job role is a mom. 
There are, there's core elements that, that shouldn't be changed by it, can't be reshaped by it. So we don't need any of these technologies in order to follow Christ. And that maybe that's a, just a simpler way to say it. God, well, I say iPhones aren't standard issue from God. <laughs> because we don't need them. They're not necessary for life and godliness. We've been given all things we need for life and godliness. And this wasn't one of them. He didn't give them to us. Um, We can and probably should use many of these technologies in our pursuit of Christ. So I'm not saying they're bad. They can be tremendously useful. And it can, can, can help in wonderful ways. But we don't need them. That's all I'm saying. All right. Two more. We can do this. Uh, technology must be viewed through the lens of stewardship. Stewardship. Uh, steward is not the owner. Steward is the caretaker. So, um, so he, 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 a steward is someone who's given something for the purposes of using it faithfully. And generally there's an investment, uh, a return on investment that the owner receives from that. But we are stewards of our lives, of our time, of our thoughts, of our energy. So everything we do should be seen in light of this reality of stewardship. So nothing, even if, even when it seems like there's nothing for you to be doing, that's still under the realm of stewardship. And, and so nothing's outside of that. So see your lives, see technology through that lens. And finally, saying no to things is saying yes to other things. Saying no to some things is saying yes to other things. Uh, there's a standoff that happens, again, every day. Happens for me, and it probably happens for you. It's between my computer and my Bible. There's a showdown. And, 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 I, there's a, there's, and, and it's this powerful moment of resolve and commitment when I say no to my phone or my computer or the web, and I say yes to God's Word. Um, I mean, it's just one example, and you you have this this you have this tension. It happens for us all the time. And when we say no to distractions on social media or news or or whatever it is, we're we're saying yes to other things. We're saying yes to God's word. Maybe we're saying yes to people around us, and so uh, I, we're saying yes to thinking. I mean, where's that's just a disappearing art anymore? Just sitting and thinking, planning and. Um, Setting goals and evaluating, and uh, we we don't have time for that anymore. We can't concentrate long enough to just think and imagine, meditating, praying. Um, it's a it's a saying no is a powerful sanctifying work uh, to a flesh that loves to be told yes yes you can have this. So we need to tell our flesh no sometimes. We need to set set boundaries. All right, just three conclusions. I'll just have to state them. Just never stop thinking about, resisting, working for, uh, gaining mastery over this part of your life. Um, again, the, there is this tsunami wave that is just coming at us all the time, and we can't just just passively just let it wash over us. We have to we have to ride the wave. I mean, we can use it, but we're gonna we're gonna con- Control it and use it in our lives. We're not just going to be servants and slaves to it. Um, second, and I've kind of highlighted these already. Engage the real world. Actively pursue real flesh and blood, flesh and blood relationships. Take the earbuds 
out of your ears and engage with people. Don't, 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 parents, don't let your kids become techno hermits where they just shut their door and go in and mess around on their online and uh, not just because of the bad stuff out there, but just the time and it's taking away from people and so, so, to work on those issues, play Scrabble instead of words with friends, you know, with a real person, um, and have foster those deep, meaningful friendships instead of just online ones. And then finally, pay attention. Pay attention. Give regular, undivided attention to your relationship with God. Again, I've already said this, but take time to be singularly focused on God. You see the examples of this in the Psalms, meditating upon God's unfailing love, Psalm 48.9, meditating on his mighty deeds, Psalm 77.12, Psalm 119, meditating on his incredible word. Uh, again, you, meditation is a powerful weapon to fight against this techno-idolatry that we can be prone to because it's, it's entirely anti-technological. I mean, again, technology provides useful tools to study God's Word and to, you know, keep prayer journals and all those kinds of things. But you can't achieve true communion with God through a device. That's, that's not the way God intends. It's, it's with Him, through His Spirit, through His Word. You can't Google your way to spiritual maturity. Um, and so, so take time to disconnect and Take breaks. Maybe this week is a great opportunity. I mean, you have time off from work and maybe just set some resolutions. Like, um, let's just, just a little fast from, from the phone. I don't need it. I'm not expected to answer phone call from work or check email. And so I'm just going to take a break and unplug and just be with people and focus on my relationship with the Lord and time in the Word and time in prayer.